Well, thanks ever so much for joining us for the first Tech Law 10 of 2016. And a happy new year to all of you and, and our thanks for listening in 2015. I guess it's now, it's probably about five years of this tradition, Eric, of us getting our heads together. And the first podcast of the new year tends to look back at the year um, gone and make wild predictions for the year ahead sometimes. And, <laughs> um, and I think actually, I haven't done this forensically and gone back and listened, but our predictions have been, I think, pretty sound uh, throughout that time. So maybe this is the year that we get it vastly wrong. But um, <laughs> what, what have been your highlights of 2015 in terms of tech law? Well, Jonathan, thank you, and Happy New Year. Yes, this is Eric Sinrod and Dwayne Morris, and we're delighted to be bringing you this Tech Law 10 into the year 2016. It sounds so futuristic. And one thing that we enjoy about this area of the law and technology is that it's always changing. So there's so much to talk about. So we're now going to look in the rearview mirror ever so briefly. I sound like Jonathan when I say ever so briefly. And, uh, and just you know, pick up on a few of the highlights of the year past. And then, yes, maybe we'll look a little bit into the future with our crystal ball. I think Jonathan's better at that than me, but we'll, we shall see. So just to tick off a few of the, uh, the big stories you probably remember, um, Jonathan's been speaking about this one quite a bit, but the safe harbor that's been in place that has allowed U.S. companies to transfer data back and forth with Europe in the context of the European uh, Union Privacy Directive has been threatened by a court decision in Europe. We've been talking about the Schrems matter. That's obviously a biggie, and that, that featured in at least four or five of our podcasts in 2015. So that alone tells you that it's important. Um, I don't recall whether we talked about this or not. I certainly blogged about it. But um, another important uh, case was where a federal court ruled that copyright owners are required to consider potential fair use defenses when it comes down to uh, uh, issuing DMCA takedown notices through Internet service pr providers. It's not enough just to say, oh, I have a copyright you know, under the DMCA, uh, there should be a takedown. You actually have to consider uh, fair use defenses uh, on the back end before you do that. So that, that was a significant development to me. Um, I know we didn't talk about this one, but the Supreme Court uh, here in the United States overturned the conviction of a man who allegedly posted violent threats on Facebook, uh, reasoning that the government is required to prove more than just that a reasonable person might find that the posted content could be threatening. So, you know, that's a Supreme Court uh, decision here in our country on a social media matter. Um, the FCC, um, this is another uh, issue that came up in 2015, the FCC voted that broadband Internet services can be regulated here in the U.S. as public utilities. And then one more item, uh, President Obama uh, has been seeking you know, more cooperation among companies so they would share information to help uh, prevent against hack attacks. So that was kind of the drum roll. But my big story of 2015, and we've talked about it, and it, can't, it kept coming back <laughs> for more, was none other than Ashley Madison, of course. 
Ashley Madison purports to be the world's leading website for its many millions of quote-unquote anonymous members who uh, wish to use the site to facilitate extramarital affairs. So, of course, you and I, Jonathan, don't know anything about that personally, but as part of our profession, we've learned about it. And unfortunately for those Ashley Madison members, a hack of the site caused them to no longer be anonymous. And indeed, the identities of many of the members were outed, and some of these members uh, got into trouble with their spouses. No big surprise there. But on top of that, some of them lost their jobs. Some were subject to blackmail. And sadly, a few of them caused physical harm and suicide to themselves. Um, Interestingly, I think I read something um, uh, quite currently that suggested that Ashley Madison actually has had an increase in its membership since this all happened. Now, I, I haven't verified that, but that's interesting to me. So that's my look back. At There'll be at least 10,000 extra journalists on the site, though, Eric, to be fair. <laughs> at least, right? So <laughs> that's, that's my brief look back at 2015. What I'll do now is I'll turn it over to you, Jonathan, for your brief look back, and then maybe you can continue and give a couple predictions for the future, and we'll see if your predictions agree with mine, although I have to say they're going to be sort of off the cuff. So I turn it over to you now. Yeah, no, uh, thanks for that, Eric. I mean, I, I think my, my my summary has, I think, some, some resonances with you as well. I mean, I will not forget one of my abiding professional memories of the year will be, you know, looking into the uh, eyes of uh, somebody we know who's the Chief Information Security Officer of a major multinational just after she had finished ringing all those people in her business who had exposed that corporation's um, you know, email. Um, they'd exposed, their corporate emails had been exposed in the Ashley Madison hack, and she uh, had taken the view, they'd agreed a protocol internally, and she'd taken the view that her and her assistant, as your guest, both female, had rung um, the almost exclusively male people whose details had been exposed to talk them through uh, preventative measures, not to embarrass them, but to try and reduce the risk of phishing, etc., etc. And they decided, I think, very wisely to do one-to-one training with those individuals about uh, email hygiene. Um, I, I, I think that is one of my abiding memories, but my I mean, I I hasten to say highlight, but certainly the main feature of of 2015 from where we are is almost certainly Schrems. I mean, I, as you know, there's a deadline approaching at the end of January. We were still working on Christmas Eve for clients. We still are working. You know, I've just got off the phone to a client. And and it is absolutely consequential and fundamental. And and uh, but but equally not without its comic moments. I've just been reading a letter today, uh, which is the most, I mean, honestly beautiful piece of work from the French regulator, which is um, you know if ever there was the phrase velvet glove inside an iron fist, or, or, or I'm sure I've got that wrong. You know, it's it's a letter that's that's beautifully phrased. Um, you know, effectively saying, you had a plan for compliance your whole plan for compliance has collapsed. You ought to do something immediately. Unless you've done something by the end of January, 
you're in deep, deep trouble. But mm. then finishes with, we remain eternally at your disposal and send you cordial greetings. You know, it's like, it's, right. it's almost poetic in, in, its, in, its, uh, in its content. Um, sorry, in its phraseology, but, it, but the actual message is very, very clear. And we're seeing very similar messages, as we talked about before, from German regulators. Um, the other case, I think, that I mean, a couple of other co cases that are very consequential, obviously, the Schrems civil action, which we've talked about a bit before, but doesn't get the press it deserves, and mm -hmm. the Vidal Hall case uh, in the, uh, that's going through the UK courts, I mean, likely to develop a whole case law around um, privacy class actions, which will be consequential. So we, we know that under the new rules, we're now looking at 4% of global annual turnover for data breaches from the regulators, but then in addition, uh, consequential civil actions. So that's big news. But the other case that doesn't get the press it deserves is a case called uh, Weltimo, which is basically a, a sort of obscure decision, but one that's likely to have real effect, particularly when the new data protection regulation comes in, which is all about um, uh, people in Europe who've been aggrieved by data protection privacy issues being able to choose where they complain rather than be bound by where the person they're complaining about is based. And that case, I think, is going to become much more significant when the new set of rules, this new EU data protection regulation, comes in, because that gives more extraterritorial reach. So, for example, we're going to see situations, I think, where, let's say, three corporations have been involved in a data breach. Um, now, traditionally, the, there's only really been a regulatory action against one of them, and that might have been the smaller party that was UK-based, for example. I think it'll be much more likely that there'll be regulatory action and consequential civil action against, let's say, all three, but the consequences could be vastly different. You know, you could get one entity that's the real culprit in the matter, but they get away relatively lightly, and another entity that's just sort of joined this gang of three but hasn't really been responsible for the data breach or whatever that could be hit with really quite large fines, 4% of global annual turnover. That's a, that's a big hit. So I guess I've sort of automatically segued because I think the law is segueing from 2015 to 2016 around data privacy issues, yep. this class action issue. Obviously, the regulation will be um, signed off, I think, any time now. Um, we believe from the conversations we've been having that there's still a little bit of a way to go, that you know, people who are saying, and I've seen many, many alerts saying, it is now law. Well, it isn't. There's still a little bit to go. We know that the um, Austrian government aren't uh, as happy as they might be. Uh, but but we're almost there, and, and if I was a betting man, I'd say we'll certainly be there in 2016. That would mean that law's in effect in 2018, but bits of it will be in force uh, already. You know, we've talked about this before, some regulators and some courts already taking concepts from the regulation international law, like the right to be forgotten. Mm -hmm. Trends will be big in 2016. Um, 
2016 again will be the year of the security breach, I think. I think we're seeing much more concentration on that. Very interesting case that I've blogged about on our website today from a couple of days ago regarding the uh, Alzheimer's Society. And it's a charity, quite a large charity. They had volunteer case workers, um, and they didn't have their volunteers on the corporate network. I suspect many charities and not-for-profits don't. And the data regulator said, no, 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 that's not good enough. If you're going to speak to individuals representing the charity, you better be on the corporate network. You better take the same standards of data security as any corporate would, and, um, and, and you better be trained properly and so on and so on. So I think that's likely to have a big effect. And it's a reminder, really, that we don't need to wait for new law to know that we have to keep personal data secure. And then I guess two other random things to wrap up. Um, first of all, I think it's also going to be a, a, another year where we look at big data and artificial intelligence and big data and artificial intelligence and the cloud together. My prediction is, I think it's not too wild, that they'll continue to be uh, you know, buzzwords used by people who don't understand their true meaning but dropped into every corporate meeting you see that's about technology for people to look sexy. I think the, uh, the FTC, I think more your side of the pond than mine, Eric, have issued a paper, I think, on big data and its consequences. Uh, I think that's interesting that a regulator's mindful of what's going on, and I, and I think we will see more attempts to sort of regulate and fetter big data and AI decisions and artificial intelligence and things like that. And my slightly wild prediction, since I'll take one from left field, hoverboards are the new drone. Um, and and partly what I mean by that is I think it's another area where the Lord doesn't really need to intervene, but I bet it will pile in like nobody's business. You know, drone legislation, not in, in, in most countries, not really needed. You know, I, we talked about this before. I think I found seven or eight different pieces of legislation that regulated drones in the UK already. I think it's the same with hoverboards. I've seen somebody put together a list of legislation that regulates hoverboards in the UK, and it's much more than you think. But I'm sure that some a politician somewhere will come up with the fantastic idea to introduce a you know, hoverboard regulation bill or the proportionate use of hoverboards bill. Um, and hey, so maybe, my somebody, wild maybe, maybe, maybe somebody's going to hire you to do that, Jonathan. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so insofar as we want a completely left-field prediction, by this time next year, we will have hoverboard legislation on the statutes <laughs> in some jurisdiction that should know better. That's funny. Well, I have some overlap with you, and thank you for sharing. Good idea. <laughs> um, one that I'm not sure you touched on, and we, we do have some overlap and perhaps some distinction. Uh, I think there's still going to be big issues relating to the sharing economy. We're talking about Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, mm. VRBO. You know, we're having all kinds of litigation and class action lawsuits here in the United States. You know, are these people really 
uh, independent contractors or employees and kind yeah. of the benefits. You know, should they be regulated like taxi companies or hotels? That's going to loom large. Uh, it will continue. Privacy and security always, always. Um, so that's been on our list every single year, and I, I know it will be true in 2016. That one, I, I'm, that's a safe bet. I, I made a note as you were talking before you said it uh, of drones, and then I thought to myself, you know, drones was kind of sort of big early in 2015. It hasn't been showing up as much, so I think you're, you might be right. It might segue, pardon the pun, into hoverboards <laughs> or something like that, or maybe segways. Um, I wrote down um, cyber warfare. I hope it's not a big yeah. deal in 2016, but the world's uh, uh, in a difficult state, and there are uh, countries at odds with each other and different groups, and you know everything's on the Internet, including potential conflicts, whether offensively or defensively. So let's just hope that we're safe in 2016 from you know, a, a military and cyber warfare standpoint. And I'm glad you brought up AI. I think that will be an issue. I think it's coming up more and more, and maybe we'll have a separate podcast on this. But there's been you know, rumblings about, is it okay to have sex robots? And some believe, yes, of course, it's one way of uh, you know, having somebody have their own private encounter without having to... Um, impose their predilections on another human being if there isn't a willing participant. Um, the, the flip side of that is, you know, it could potentially create further objectification and denigration of women. If uh, a man, for example, can do what he wants with a sex robot, will that then carry over into real life with real human beings? Um, you know, maybe uh, sex robots will be an outlet for people that would otherwise be on Ashley Madison. I don't know. Maybe it's all coming full mm. circle. Um, I'm being somewhat tongue-in-cheek here, but artificial intelligence, uh, I think, will continue to be something that emerges as, as a hot topic uh, more in 2016 probably than in 2015. And speaking of hot topics, we've now been covering this for, this has been your bonus uh, Tech Law 10. This yeah. has been more like Tech Law 20. You haven't heard from us in a week or so due to the holidays. So uh, thank you for tuning in. We'll be with you uh, riding things along. Uh, in 2016. Hopefully it won't be too bumpy of a ride, but it should be interesting. So that being said, my name is Eric Sinrod. I'm at the Dwayne Morris Law Firm. We're happy to be speaking to you. Uh, you can reach me at ejsinrod at DwayneMorris.com. Um, our website's DwayneMorris.com, of course. We're on the usual social media outlets. Uh, Jonathan, you know what to do. Yeah, thanks, Eric. And, and I, I like your list as well. And I think that endorses our what has been our policy throughout of never preparing and never sharing with each other what we're going to say. Because <laughs> so I, yeah. I think we get some interesting, uh, uh, yeah, some in interesting reaction. I think you're right. We, we were wrong to miss off cyber warfare. Um, I'm Jonathan Armstrong, jonathan.armstrong at cordrycompliance.com. Uh, you can find us on the, when, uh, on the interweb at cordrycompliance.com. And we'd particularly like you to post or tweet us if you think that there's some prediction that we've missed, we're always, uh, this is the time of the year when a crowdsourced opinion is always better than two. And um, so do do join in with us. I know, um, Heather, thank you for your suggestion on a code for ethicists, uh, ethical code for technologists, which we'll, we'll come to in a few weeks. But uh, do keep your suggestions coming and, uh, 
and your thoughts for what might be big news for 2016. All that remains is to wish you a phenomenal 2016. I hope that you have a peaceful and prosperous year. Do keep listening to us, and we'll speak to you again in a week or so. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Happy New Year. 